Hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Cookie Cast. Today on Cookie Cast, it's the football podcast. That season, in some ways, keeps on trucking, but it's definitely coming to a close now. More so for some teams than others. Spoilers. Uh, before we get started, please do consider like, share, subscribe, comment, click notification thingy, and uh, share the podcast around. Best way to get it out there in the world is to share it. Right, let's get started. Here we go. This is Cookie Cast, the football podcast. Recording in progress. She said it all, ladies and gentlemen. She's given you all the information you need to take what you will from that information. And yes, it is indeed the Hookcast Podcast Network back with another football podcast for you. There may only be one more after this to round out the season, but welcome along, welcome along, one and all. Um, obviously, I'm here, as you can hear my voice and see my uh, slightly rouged face as it's uh, warm. In uh, in Yorkshire today, um, but I'm not I'm not alone. I am joined by fellow Yorkshire dweller, Mr. Andrew Cook. How are you, sir? Um, not as warm as I have been, but it's uh, <clears throat> I can't I cannot confirm nor deny how naked I am below the waist. Let's put it that way. Oh, he's gone for the old Richard Whiteley approach, just a uh, business from the uh, waist upwards, and then uh, underneath the desk. Who knows what's going on? Um, another fellow Yorkshire dweller, Mr. Stuart Wobbensey. How are you, sir? Well, as the saying goes, it's never dull in Hull. And uh, for the fact that I left the house earlier this evening and nearly burnt out my retinas, that will tell you what the weather's like here, too. Interesting. So, two out of two places with warmth going through them today. Can we make it a holy trinity? With our uh, northeast correspondent in uh, the shape of Mr. Matthew Moore. How are you, sir? I'm all right. It's clouded over here. It was sunny. Boo! <laughs> but it's clouded over here. But I'm, I'm wearing, if we're doing fashion kind of things, I'm wearing a Mount Misery, a Hartlepool band um, t shirt. So, yeah, let's give them a shout out. Obviously, anytime we can, we'd love to give some, uh, some, some love. We like Bell and Sebastian. They're kind of, they're a bit like Bell and Sebastian would be the kind of like vibe from there. So very nice. Like I say, we'd like to give a little bit of love to uh, our brethren from uh, uh, Derham. So up the pools. It's probably a while until I'll get to say that again. Um, so football wise, there were two games last week. And uh, if, if, all, if all went to plan, there would be two games for us to cover and predict next week. So we'll go for the Middlesbrough game first, shall we? As that was the one that was uh, most dependent on there being a second game to predict in the coming week. And of course it was my boys, Middlesbrough, taking on commentary in the second leg of the playoffs. It was finally, finally poised after the first leg um, from the weekend before uh, with a nil-nil score uh, coming to us from the Coventry Building Society Arena, I believe it's called these days. Um, And I think... 75% 75% of people asked would probably have said that Middlesbrough went into this as the heavy favourites, obviously being at home in the second leg. Um, 
everything set up to just you know do the job, get a nice comfortable win, take them through to Wembley, job would be a good one. Didn't really go that way. Game started very cagey as you would imagine with a with a playoff second leg. Um, Coventry set up in a bit of a five four one formation, very very difficult, very compact, very hard to break down. Um, I believe the game plan was keep it tight, keep it compact. Don't engage in any 50-50s unless you're absolutely certain you can win the ball. Try and catch Borough, pull him out of positions and then hit the ball straight through for Gyrkares to sort of catch him on the counter. Um, like I said, a cagey start. Uh, a couple of misplaced passes from the uh, the Borough players that uh, almost left uh, Coventry in for the opening goal. But um, Zach Steffen came up with a couple of big saves in the first half to keep it at 0-0. Um, Sadly for Borough, though, um, at around the hour mark of the uh, of the game, um, another bit of overplaying, really, by Ryan Giles out on the left-hand side, a loose pass inside, um, allowed Coventry to play what they'd been looking to play all evening, a little ball over the top, but Giocarest to chase. Um, he got there ahead of Stefan, who'd come out to close the ball down, um, and took it wide. Um, he then laid the ball off to Gustavo Haber on the edge of the box, um, who took a touch and then arced it over uh, the onrushing uh, Borough players that were trying to close him down into the uh, not unguarded but certainly um, not as well protected net shall we say for the opening goal uh, and uh, try as Borough might they were not able to break down that sky blue wall sadly uh, like I say a very, a very very well drilled Coventry team who uh, were, were, were very clearly instructed to not be pulled out of position no matter what happened um, and the year the game sadly petered out to a 1-0 uh, a 1-0 loss for the Borough and uh, the end of the season very disappointing from a perspective um, of well from my perspective of course as another I'm sure Coventry City fans felt very differently about the result um, did any of you boys manage to watch the game or see any of the game I was following um, I it on Sky Sports News, like on their like soccer special kind of thing. So I saw the goal um, and like a few of the chances and stuff like that. And I think obviously, like last week, I was like, you know, one, there's always one game that's batshit, and neither of the games were batshit. Like either like the other tie either, like in in the in the in the championship. And I was just kind of sat there, and you kind of sat there like when the, when the commentary goal went, and I'm like, it's all right, it's gonna go nuts soon. I, it's gonna go nuts soon. It's gonna go nuts soon. It's gonna go nuts soon, and then and it didn't. You're like, ah, shit. No, it, it, I, I, as as, uh, as a person who was in attendance at the game, I can very much confirm that he never went nuts at any point. Uh, it was, um, yeah, frustrating would probably be the best phrase to use from a from a borough perspective. Certainly, like I say, it's that worst. It's the worst thing. I think. It, it, If you were to concede against Coventry, that was what they were going to do. But it, you know, it could have been the first minute in the first game they would have defended for 119 minutes. That's kind of what they do. They're not they're not a particularly expansive side. Uh, they kind of deal with what they've got and stuff like that. I mean, I must admit, listening, I was listening to a Forest podcast today, and obviously Coventry haven't got a whole lot of cash. 
Um, obviously, spoiler alert, Luton are in the final. Apparently, it's going to cost them £10 million to get their current stadium up to scratch. And they could possibly play at Stadium MK um, next season, which is marvellous. You know, you're just like, right, okay then, so this is this is what they've potentially got in. You've got one club that doesn't own their ground, it's owned by Mike Ashley. And you've got the other one that have got to spend £10 million on their own stadium to get it up to scratch, which they probably won't do because they're tight. And then, so they'll go and play at MK Dons for a year when they're meant, you know, you're like, God. Yeah, apparently they were. Apparently, I, I just saw something about this today. Apparently, the options that were given to Luton should they get up to the Premier League and obviously need to do uh, the necessary uh, alterations of the ground was that um, they were given the option of doing a Stadium MK. The other option they were given was apparently a ground share with Watford, who are their most hated rivals. So um, apparently, when the when the chairman was asked, uh, how how would you feel about? Um, uh, a season sharing with Watford just so you could be able to play Premier League games um, I don't think it was exact words but I believe his, uh, his phrase was absolutely not there may have been a choice uh, seven letter word thrown in the middle of those particular two words as to uh, give his particular opinion on that particular ground share but yes um, like you said like I think no matter what time Coventry had scored across the course of the two games their game plan and their style of play would not have changed one iota. Um, and I think if you were a neutral watching the game, Coventry scoring was probably the worst thing that could have happened because it would have just shut the game completely down from a creativity standpoint. Whereas if Borough had scored the first goal, probably would have opened the game up a bit more. Coventry would have had to sort of like, you know, take more chances, as it were. But Sadly, that first Borough game, uh, that, that first Borough goal never came across the two games. So, we, uh, we never had to cross that bridge. The, the whole like, thing that I said to you guys, I can't remember if it was on here or if it was just, just between us, but I did say a little while back, I didn't like him tinkering with the side. It disrupt the flow, and it very much felt that way in the end. Um, yeah. I, only got, I, I only got to see the second half of the, the game itself. Um, but but you know, like you say, went after the goal. It was it was it, the the game was just tedious, man. There was like nothing, couldn't get anything going at all. And like, nope. there was that that moment. Was it pretty much in in injury time where Borough thought they'd scored, they were clean through, and then he hit the bar, and then it was offside anyway. And it was like, oh my god, like there was almost like that panic setting for like the last sort of like five minutes of the game. Yeah, that was the the goal that got disallowed um, was clear offside. It was at no point did it ever look as if it was ever going to be given. Um, even even if VAR had intervened there, it was clearly offside. So it's not it's no use sort of crying over that one. The one that the one where Cameron actually hit the bar um, was a bit more strange because I don't I don't I think I, I think again that one did come back that he was correctly flanked offside. Mm-hmm. Obviously. Had he have scored, it wouldn't have mattered. But he didn't score anyway, so again, it didn't matter. Um, yeah, I, I, had a, I had a quick look back through the um, the previous results in uh, Carrick's tenure, um, and that is uh, that is a, of course the first home game since he's taken the uh, taken control of the uh, of the manager's position where Middlesbrough haven't scored at home, so. What a great time to pick your first day, your first game to draw blank, 
Um, just, yeah, just just one of those like when you look at the the teams that were like left in in the playoffs, it, it has to go down as a huge missed opportunity. Really, I mean, like, no offense to sort of loot and Coventry, but obviously, it, it's it's a thing that football fans hate when people sort of do the oh we're a much bigger club than them mentality. Um, but I think if you were to if you were to poll people, you'd say that Middlesbrough and Sunderland are on paper much bigger clubs than Coventry and Luton, certainly over the last twenty years, and would be more garnered towards being in the Premiership. So yeah, it's, just a it's a, a difficult one because you you can never judge it purely on fan base because no. obviously Luton have got. A good catchment area. Yes, they've probably got a bit more competition around the local area for for fans and stuff. But just purely from an infrastructure, like they've got the ground. Sunderland have got the ground. They've got potentially like the, the you know the better training facilities, all the rest of it. Like take take the the fans or we're a bigger club than you thing. Like you're not. I will absolutely eat my words in twelve months' time. If if Coventry. Slash Luton do not get one of the bottom three points totals returns in the entire history of the Premier League, I will be gobsmacked because they are going to spend every week with their pants around their ankles. There is no two ways about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I would, I would be inclined to agree. And obviously, whichever one of the teams goes up will be massively favourites to come straight back down again. Um, but I think the first time that Bournemouth got promoted, and even last season, I think most people had them written off as an automatic relegation spot, and they've stayed up. So you never, you never can tell what will happen. And obviously, the recruitment and stuff over the over the off season will be will be huge and will play along along part of that. Um, another thing as well, um, I think, is that if you look at Luton's record purchase, it's it's, if, if they do go up, it's going to get absolutely smashed because I believe their record side of it is Carlton Morris from earlier this season and it cost them £1.5 million from Barnsley. So if Luton do win the playoffs, if they do win the playoff final and get promoted, I, I can see them dropping double figures on a, on a side just because they've got the money there to be able to sort of strengthen and, and do it. So it's, I mean, the first signing surely has got to be Bob the Builder, as we've already mentioned. Well, yeah, like, like Matt said, ten million minimum to bring the stadium up to uh, up to standards. Um, is that have you have you been to Kenilworth Road? Have you seen Kenilworth Road? Is that because it's going to cost them two million for the bomb to flatten it to start with, and then just build it <laughs> from the ground up again? I honestly don't know what they're going to do because one of the stands that I think is the one that's causing the most problem is like literally slap bang up against some of the back of other other people's houses. So they can't exactly build further back. They would have to literally just go straight up. And just from a logistical standpoint, I'm pretty sure that you uh, can only get in so many rows of seat when it goes uh, think, straight up. But. I think there's something on the podcast I was listening to that they were saying that they've been speaking, because one of them is a, is a journalist, was so speaking to the Luton chairman. And he was like, oh, yeah, if you think that the supporters' entrance where you have to go the back end of, of some terrace houses is bad, you should see the players' entrance, and it basically sounds like you've got to go through an alley. You know, like you know, like where two terrace houses are joined. You've got the alley in between 
being like, you've got to go under. It basically sounds like it's that. Like They'd be like the Ninja Turtles. They've got to go through the sewers to get in. There <laughs> you go. And to put, put the kind of perspective on that, Coventry's highest signing was Craig Bellamy for <laughs> 6.5 million 23 years ago. So bear in mind, I believe that was the season that they ended up dropping out of the Premier League, and they've obviously not been they've not been promoted back since. So, yeah, crazy, crazy stuff. Um, but I'll 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 cut it off there because we we could keep this going for, for for days on end. I dare say I'll I'll, I'll give the uh, the predictions scores and to what it means from the from a podcast perspective. So obviously. Game finished 1-0 to Coventry with Hamer scoring the goal. So, um, myself and Mr Cook had both come for a 2-0 Middlesbrough win with Archer and Akpom to score. Sadly, no points there. Uh, Mr Moore had gone for the crazy 3-2 after extra time with Akpom, Archer and Ramsey scoring for the Borough, Gukaresh and Godden scoring for Coventry. No points there, sadly. But one of us had the old crystal ball out clearly Mr. Woodmansey storming in with his 1-0 Coventry. Sadly, he had gone to the score, not Hamer. So he gets himself two points for the result, but no extra points for the goal score. I've never felt so guilty about points in my life. Ah, don't worry about it. I, I, I mean, I've... Uh, I, I was about to... I've cried all the tears I have to cry. Didn't cry, just felt incredibly gutted for about four days afterwards. So, game one, done and dusted. Obviously, that does mean there's only one game to predict for next week, but we'll get to that after we've discussed our second game of the week, which was Nottingham Forest versus Arsenal. Now, Forest went into this knowing that a win would mean Premier League safety for this season. Were they able to do that, Mr Moore? Well, as I... I, I as you guys have kind of recently, through recent weeks, I've done my usual dance of do I flash out the cash on a, on the, a, a day past to watch the game on thing. I made the decision at 25 past five uh, on Saturday. So I was like, no, no, I'm just going to, I'm just going to watch it. Um, fully expecting the worst. I think we talked about it last week. Um, fully expecting the worst. Um, thinking that Arsenal would kind of come back and, have some pride and kind of bounce back and really kind of give Forrest a bit of a chewing. Obviously, there must be something in the water in North, North London at the moment. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so kind of started well. And I think it was, it was a bit to and fro to start with for the first kind of 10 minutes. I mean, Arsenal did their thing of... I think, I think from watching Arsenal, I felt like I was watching Arsenal from five years ago, 10 years ago. Kind of this lovely keeping the football. It's lovely that you know. There's no. It must be quite nice as an Arsenal fan in some ways to have no stress whatsoever because your team has the ball all the time. They just don't do anything with it. Um. So a couple of early chances. I think um, Saka had had a good few good runs at Forest. Um, Udegaard was doing bits and bobs. Uh, Jesus was that kind of thing. And then 20, 20 minutes in, 19 minutes in, um, Odegaard, um, loose pass, Gibbs-White 
pounced on it, broke quick, Forest broke quickly, which is what they've been doing most of the game. Slotted it through to a one year and I was like, oh no, you've played it too heavy, I thought it'd gone too far. And it looked, it looked Emil Heskey-esque that he dinked it over the top of the keeper. On closer inspection, the defender kicked it against his leg and it gone over the top of the keeper. <laughs> Very similar to his goal against West Ham at the start of the year. Absolutely incredible that the first game of the season at home and the last game of the season at home had basically identical goals scored where the defender tackles the ball into the striker and it goes in the net. It's just like sweet, sweet timing though. Because obviously the defender like knocks it away. As he's swinging his leg forward, it just kind of catches the ball and dinks it over the top of Ramsdale and into the back of the net. Um and so then, from then on, Forest went back into their kind of thing. I think it was like they had 18% possession. Like I said, Arsenal did not do a whole lot with it. There was, I didn't get the full stats, but I think there might have just been the one shot on target. And even then, it wasn't particularly on target kind of thing. It was, you know, there wasn't, I don't feel like, oh, look, like the, the, a lot of the pundits were like, oh, it looks like they've lost confidence. I don't think they've lost confidence. Confidence. They just lost an edge. I, I, I think their striker. You know, obviously they signed Jesus to much fanfare in the in the at the start of the start of the year, but he just doesn't seem to have much about him. He needs like he needs a little bit. They need something extra. They need a proper goal scorer up there. Forest, on the other hand, have got themselves. You know, we said at the start of the season you need someone who's going to score you 10, 15 goals. We've got two players that have done that for us this season. We've had Johnson. Scoring ten goals, kind of more in that after Christmas kind of period that Pitt, when Forest first picked up, he scored his goals, and then a one year's kind of taken up that mantle as Johnson's kind of faded away towards the end of the season. Um, I think when we were messaging each other uh, on Saturday night, I think the standout player for Forest, and I think all this nonsense about he should have been playing for England—that's a bit too much for me. He's um, not quite at that level, I would say. Yet yeah, there's players ahead of him who've been more consistent for a longer time. But I think he seems to have encapsulated that he's really. I think he's really bought in to that kind of to the way that Forrester played and the way that Forrester set up and the team spirit of it all. He seems really into it. Apparently, a lot of the stories that I've heard over the week was he was looking for houses before in Nottingham before the transfer had even gone through kind of thing before it was even really bids made which, so he really want, wants to play for the club which is nice and I think it was kind of summed up probably 10 minutes from the end and he kind of picked up a loose ball kind of cut across the, the 18 yard line then cut back in had a shot it was saved by Ramsdale who then bowled it out to somebody and he closed the player down and kind of closed the player down it was, I think it was Jesus um, closed him down knocked the ball out of play um, and like kind of giving it kind of come on to the to the fans and they, they really responded um, and then Forrest clung on but I think I think we've had it sounds awful there was more threat from Southampton the other week than there was from Arsenal I, I felt more worried about Southampton scoring a couple of weeks ago than I did about Arsenal scoring they, they just didn't seem to be a massive amount of threat um, but then Q full time and um, I think we could kind of discuss this with in reference to another team in the league 
massive celebrations to which I would suggest was to the point of over-celebrating. I know staying in the league is important, but let's not celebrate it like we've won the league. I thought it, it got a tad excessive for me at times. Um, you know, go, celebrate, cheer, but then kind of, you know, when you're still on the pitch an hour later, that seems a tad excessive to me, kind of thing. I, you know, the last fact, maybe I'm over-exaggerating an hour later, but it seemed a lot uh, for yeah, me for... Yeah. You stayed up, you know. We stayed up. Just, just to very quickly pick up the uh, the stats bat on. Uh, um, you were bang on that with the eighteen percent. You said you didn't um, possession. You said you didn't have the full stats for the rest of it. The the, the two that have, uh, have really jumped out at me is passes. So obviously you'd expect a lot more passes with eighty two percent possession. So Forest had one hundred and sixty one passes. Arsenal had seven hundred and twenty four. Um, however, the bit underneath it in the attacking stats, neither side had what they deemed. But the fact that um, <laughs> the goal was a little bit suspect, whatever it went in, but even with eighty-two percent possession, clear chance. This is a team that was going to win the league like six weeks ago. Like, what has gone wrong? Yeah, it's it's a it's a very strange one. Um, I, I feel like this 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 game has got a little bit more in it for us to uh, to discuss. So, before I give out the, uh, the the predictions breakdown and all the details, I feel we need to take a small break, recharge our batteries, as it were, and then come back to break down the remainder of it and then go through the uh, the predictions. So, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with you shortly. Recording in progress. Welcome back. Told you it won't be long. So, where had we got to? We got to the fact that Arsenal basically went from, like Stu said, a team that was winning the title to a team that has crumbled and I think the only the only fact the, the only fact that's like stopping them from finishing third or worse is the fact that the, the gap between them and like Newcastle and Man United in third and fourth was so massive at the, t- at the time. Um, yeah, their their last their last five or six games have gone possibly as worse as bad as they possibly could have. Um, yeah, just really strange. Like really strange how, how they ran out of steam. I think what was it two hundred forty eight days at the top of the league. It's the, long, it's the longest anyone's ever been at the top of the league. To, without then, winning. Without then going on to kind of win. Yeah. They just looked... They looked like a side that... For 90% of the pitch were fine. And then once they got towards the goal... It's, that, it's, it's the age-old Arsenal thing of trying to pass it into the goal. And that's what it was. No one was having a shot or a punt. And, you know... If, if anybody knows anything about Forest stats, is not overly keen on people taking shots from outside the box. If you pepper our goals with that, then generally we concede. Uh, but they didn't, they didn't do that, so fair enough. Um, yeah, so we're safe would be the kind of main thing. And it means one of Leicester, Leeds or Everton will go down this weekend. 
Yeah, so I mean, obviously from a from a forest perspective, massively sort of you know, massively good in the fact that they've managed to sort of stay up for a second season. So we'll get uh, their their coffers will be sw- will be swelled handsomely from the uh, the riches that the Premier the, the dirty filthy Premier League will uh, will, will give them. Um, the league, and, and let's be honest, if, if we're being truthful, it's a league that no one really wants to be in anyway. <laughs> Keep him making himself feel there as, as Forrest <laughs> then waltz into summer and spaff on another seventeen players or something. <laughs> hey, I tell you, I tell you something. If I was if I was a bet if I was a betting man, which I do like to make the occasional wager, uh, I think at this point I'd probably put Forrest's summer recruitment at under five players. I, I was going to say it'll definitely be single figures. I would yeah. say single figures. Oh, yeah, I'd still, like. Still, it's where, yeah, it's where the accounting players that are already on the squad, in the squad, being kept. As the rumours are already that we want Henderson to stay. And that's going to cost us 30 mil. Um, and apparently Lode, they want Lodi to stay as well. I don't think he will. I think he'll go back to Spain. Well, I don't know. If the, uh, if the weather stays like it is uh, today... In uh, in England, then he might be tempted to think, "Well, is 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 this Madrid?" So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Right. So <laughs> predictions. Paul's hoping that the, the, the transfers work out either on heat stroke or he has an accident or something. He has a bot to the head. <laughs> Who knows? Who can tell? Who can tell? So predictions wise, I was the least optimistic of all of the campers where I had gone for a 3-1 Arsenal win. Silly Paulie, what are you doing? I did, however, console myself by having that one for Forrest scored by a one-year. So I do get myself a bonus point there. Uh, Mr. Woodmancy had gone for a 1-1 draw. Gibbs, White and Odegaard to score. So sadly, no points for Mr. Woodmancy there. Matt had gone for a 2-2 with Jesus and I've, I've apparently, I don't know how I've done this, but I've managed to write Jesus and Gibbs White down to score for Arsenal. There's <laughs> Martin Odegaard playing for Forest now. Well, I, uh, I, I didn't even. I've not. I've, I've only just noticed that now. So, either way, Arsenal did score. It doesn't matter. Um, and for, for Forest, he had Gibbs White and a one to score. So no points for the result, but he just get himself a point for a bonus goal scorer. For the second game of the week, however, someone had the crystal ball out. His name is Mr. Cook. He'd gone for a 1-0 Forest win with Johnson to score the goal. So doesn't get the full boat of uh, score and scorer, but does get two points for the correct score. So, the last regular week of the season, as it were, um, the points go as follows. Myself and Mr. Moore, one point from two games. Mr. Woodmancy and Mr. Cook, two points from two games. So taking the tie, as it were, for this uh, for this penultimate week. And those boys right there, well done, well done, well done, chaps. So, as, as previously discussed, just the one game to predict for the uh, for the last game of the season, for the last week of the season. Sorry. So, Crystal Palace 
versus Nottingham Forest, a game with literally nothing on the line, apart from final place in, in the Premier League table. I will get up the table so we can see where all those teams find themselves currently. So Palace, uh, Palace, I believe, are about 12th. I like Palace are 11th. They're even above Chelsea in the league. So Palace, that is as high as they can finish. They can't get any higher than that as the next team there, the next furthest team up is Fulham on 52 points. Palace, 44 points. So the highest Palace can finish is 11th. The lowest Palace can finish is realistically 12th, given that Chelsea have 43 points. So a Chelsea win and anything other than a, uh, than a Palace win, Chelsea will jump above them in the table. Forest going to the game at 16th uh, with 39 points. They can finish as high as 13th if they were to win. And Wolves and West Ham were both to lose. Um, oh, sorry, and Bournemouth. No, no. Sorry, I'm no, looking at the wrong, 14th wrong team. 14th is the highest. I'm looking, I'm looking at the wrong team. Highest they can finish is 14th. Uh, but that would take a huge win and a huge West Ham loss for a goal difference to be overturned of 18. So, realistically, you're looking at 15th as the highest that Forest can finish. Um, the lowest they can finish is, of course, 16th. So, I think, it, did they work out it's something like half a million pounds or something per position in the Premier League? Oh, that's it, yeah. So, it's a wedge. Obviously, it's Mr. Moore's team. He will give the last prediction. Um, I'll go in first on this one, because obviously last uh, last week, Mr. Moore said, with the playoffs, you tend to get one game that goes a little bit out there, a little bit crazy for the goals. I think the same could be said for the last day of the Premier League season, in that usually you'll get some teams that are either safe or nothing to play for. They'll put out players that they either think they want to have a look at for next season, or players that are going to be leaving at the end of the season so they want to give them one last game before they leave the club things like that so or you may be tinkering with a, with a formation or a style of play that you've never, you've never gone with before so it always leaves the option open for ridic- ridiculous goal scoring feats and things like that so in that regard I've gone for a 3-3 draw yeah um Newly minted England call-up, Eberechi Eze, two goals, and probably leaving at the end of the season, Odson Edouard to score the three goals to Crystal Palace. And then I've gone for two goals for Mr. In-fire, sorry, on-fire and in-form Taiwo Wonyi. And then, I can't believe I'm about to say these words. A departing goal, if you will, for one Jesse Moneybags. Lingard whether he even plays I have absolutely no idea but I think it, I think it's pretty safe to say this is probably going to be if he gets on the pitch his last appearance in a Nottingham Forest shirt yeah it's been confirmed pretty much anyway right he's not not staying fair enough uh, look, look how sad we all are about that as well I know what a, what a shame what a terrible terrible shame let's go to Mr Cook what his thoughts on this one? I was quite torn on this one because I felt <clears throat> with almost nothing to play for, nil-nil, be done with it. But it's also my last opportunity to fire off 
Forest to win, 1-0, with Johnson to score. He's bringing out Old Faithful for the last uh, the last week on the podcast. Well, I said the last week, the last prediction on the podcast, as it were. Uh, Mr. Wubbenty, what have you got for this one? Um, very similar thoughts to yourself. Um, it has the potential to be an absolute shit show, whether that's from a nil-nil perspective or from a four-all perspective. So I've gone smack in the middle at 2-2. Of course. Goal scorers? Um, I've got Eze for one, for Palace, and are you... And then yep. I've got, for Forest, I've got Gibbs-White, because it'd be nice to give him a goal in, in the last game of the season, considering that he's absolutely worked his nuts off this year. And... Um, I couldn't not put his name on the sheet as well. So I have gone for uh, the final goal for my predictions for this season to be for Mr. Shithouse himself, Ryan Yates. Ah, lovely. You were... I, I thought for a second that you were going for the lesser spotted brothers on opposing sides to score ah. in this little game. Now, the little... Uh, for those of you watching on YouTube, the little flick of the finger that Mr Moore just threw out there makes me think he has gone for that particular little prediction uh, so why don't we go to him right now <clears throat> I haven't just oh. <laughs> <laughs> perfectly set up for Matt to just crush it <laughs> <laughs> kind of I should have perhaps given the word of warning before everybody started doing their predictions uh, Kayla Navas is out injured uh, so Wayne Hennessy's in goal, so anything can, I, can happen. Can I, can I change my prediction to six nil Palace? And there's a couple. I think um, Felipe is out as well. I think obviously he went off injured at the weekend, so he's out. I think. I think there's going to be a few changes. I think some of the fringe players, not fringe players, but the players that have perhaps contributed and not played quite as much, are going to get a game, either to say thank you and bye. Um, or, or just to give them a run out. Um, Jack Colbeck, it's been confirmed this week, and will be leaving the club at the end of the season. It's the end of his contract. Um, he's apparently still injured with some head injury that he got, but I, I hope that he gets a game because he, you know, he has played really well for Forest and done like all the kind of dogs work for, for the kind of team. He's been left back, left wing, centre mid, centre back. Kind of, he's been all over the shop. However, that on um, uh, for my prediction, I have gone for a three-two Crystal Palace win. So when you said batshit, I that that was like yeah yeah. I've, I've gone for you know just just party atmosphere. Um, but I I got with the fact that I thought Forest would be much changed. So I've got Eze. Um, I think it's is it Andre Ayew? Who's it?
I'm going to get my Johnson out, sir. Ah, me. Lovely. I like the fact that uh, even though we think there's going to be changes, not one of us picked Surridge to score, even though he'd probably start this game. Yeah. I mean, he might start. I don't know. All doing it for his ginger brethren there. Well, he'll, I, I, I suspect that he will be one of the few that will be moved out this season, uh, this summer. Yeah, I think it's one of those ones where there was, there was at the start of the season, the August transfer window closing, I believe there was some rumours doing the rounds that he was a, he was a target for Borough. Um, whether that gets re-looked at, I don't really know. Um, so that's it from a predictions perspective. Obviously, um, Matt covered it there. The, the, the fact that with certain players that come to the end of their contract, so it was agreed that it was it was already announced that they wouldn't be signing new deals. That is the case across the board with all clubs at this particular point. And today, Middlesbrough um, and was it today that Hull have released out, or did they? Did no, Hull, Hull was um, in true podcast form the day after we recorded last week. Of course it was. So, I'll just go through Middlesbrough's now, and then uh, I'll let Mr. Wimbledon do the whole retained list. Um, so, Middlesbrough put this out earlier today. Uh, a handful of out-of-contract senior professionals will leave the club this summer. Goalkeeper Luke Daniels and defender Darnell Fisher, who we actually covered on the podcast a couple of weeks, who made his first appearance in almost two years in the final league of the season after a lengthy injury, are both set to depart. They are joined by Grant Hall and Joe Lumley, who spent last season on loan at Rotherham United and Reading, respectively. There's also a list of names that have been uh, uh, announced as letting uh, being, being moved on from the academy. I won't go through those names as it's, it's names that will be unfamiliar to everyone on the podcast and no one will know who they are. Um, uh, in addition, the loans of Cameron Archer, Ryan Giles, Alex Mowat, Rodrigo Moonies, Aaron Ramsey and Zach Stefan have all come to an end. We'd like to thank all the players for their contribution and wish them well for the future. Um, seems unlikely that any of the six will be back, but there was reports that apparently Wolves are open to the possibility of opening talks with letting Ryan Giles leave on a permanent basis, and if that is the case, then I can see Middlesbrough being very interested if the price is right in them looking into that uh, as a permanent transfer. I'd seen as well somewhere that Stefan was um, was apparently because he yeah is he at Chelsea. Stefan's Man City, um, and it's 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 pretty apparent that the kid that so um, Man City are actually currently playing as we're recording, um, and this game tonight and the game they played at the weekend, um, they played their reserve goalkeeper, uh, and he now does seem to be the um, the, the the backup to Edison. Uh, of choice, so it looks more and more likely that Stefan will leave Man City this summer. Um, or to have any chance of, of sort of being in the running to get him if they wanted to keep him, or would have had to go up um, as his transfer fee alone would probably price him out of a move for him. And I would imagine he's on a fairly hefty chunk of wages at Man City, so would be unlike. I'd be very surprised. If, uh, if Middlesbrough go back in for it, but strange things have happened, I suppose. Um, let's move on to Hull. What's uh, what Hull done in regarding uh, 
players leaving and, um, and whatnot. So, yeah, so again, the return list has been confirmed. Uh, we've had uh, Louis Coyle, Greg Doherty and Vaughan Colville have all had their one-year extension options taken up by the club. So those three are staying on. So obviously club captain there, top of the list, local lad. Um, I think Colville's probably got a bit more to prove out of those those two. Um, Coyle and Doherty quite well established in the team. Um, absolutely not disappointed or surprised that they're staying happy that happy to see that so so yeah those those three are staying on for at least another year um on the flip side of that tyler smith and billy chadwick have both not been retained um tyler smith put five goals in 39 appearances for for the tigers um billy chadwick local lad uh, but he only managed nine appearances in his time but he he has been let go um it was already announced before the retained list again just after the podcast recorded last week, uh, that Callum Elder is set to leave the club after four years in East Yorkshire. Um, so we certainly wish him well because he's, he's been a very good servant to the, the club in that that that, side, uh, that time. So obviously seeing us up from League One as well. So um, absolutely sound lad as well from from uh, what what we can tell. However, all of the low knees have gone back, um, and this. I mean, there's there's some comedy amongst it because um, I'm sure at least two members of the podcast will argue that one of these loanies maybe should have or did go back months ago. Um, but it, it does leave a gaping hole. So the loanies, Nathan Baxter, Carl Darlow, Aaron Connolly, Malcolm Ebiway and Dimitrios Pelkas have all returned to parent clubs. Now, Connolly, in the end, didn't make much of a difference really. Um, Ebuwe and Pelkas obviously did. Um, they were sort of Pelkas was featured throughout the season. Had a couple of injuries here and there, but particularly towards the end of the season, um, Ebuwe was was featuring. So um, he's from Palace, I believe. So whether or not he'll be looking to try and establish himself there next season, or if there's the potential to maybe get him again, I'm not sure on that one. But the big gaping hole is the fact that two goalkeepers are out the door, um, leaving us with Matt Ingram and the youth ranks, as far as I'm aware. Um, so I would expect that priority will be a bit of goalkeeping business this summer. Uh, after the performances he put in, would not be surprised to see Carl Darlow come on a um, permanent basis. Um, however, that obviously depends on how things sit with Newcastle um, Champions League club now aren't they so I'd be very very surprised if he was I mean unless he's got years to run on his contract I would be very surprised if he wasn't moved on Mm. well if not not just released I've I've been impressed with with what I've seen from him so I'm I'm very hopeful Um, if you you know what I mean, like, there's, there's like sort of arches in his hands. Wouldn't be surprised if Borough ended up having a little sniff around him, to be honest with you. Mm. He, he is definitely... Obviously, obviously knows he's, he's, he's used to the area, so wouldn't have to move, I suppose, as well. Whereas, obviously, if he moves to Hull, you'd imagine that he'd have to leave and uh, relocate to East Yorkshire and whatnot. It's, I mean, it's, it depends, like, what the deal is, I guess. If it's a longer deal, then perhaps so, but... If it ends up being like a one-year contract, he might just spin it out by like travelling down 
like it's not that far really in in the grand scheme of things but um he, he definitely earned us some points in that league table this season put it that way so um we'll, we'll just watch this space i guess we'll probably um after the thing that could work two. in your the thing that could work in your favor is he is a nottingham lad so all a little bit closer to nottingham easier to get to from mm. from there so it's we've got i reckon now we've probably got what that two week lull where there's the playoffs to get out of the way. There's the FA Cup final to get out of the way. Everybody will have like three or four days of breathing, and then it'll be right. How many? Yeah, how many people can we get through the door? So we've probably got a couple of weeks at minimum, I would have thought, before we start seeing uh, anything uh, discussed. But um, one thing that has been confirmed for next season, from a whole point of view, is that the membership prices or season ticket in old money have uh, have been frozen. For twenty three, twenty four, which is excellent news. Um, I am yet to see these owners put a foot wrong in terms of stuff that they're doing for the fans, which is very uh, uplifting for the for the entire city. Really, um, to say that the West Stand Upper had been closed for pretty much the majority of the Alams reign post Premier League, um, and it's we, we've had attendances upwards of twenty thousand again. Um, they're doing all they can to get people through the door and this is obviously another step in, in, in the right direction. Um, to put it into context, um, I have two kids and if I wanted to go to football with my two boys on season tickets, um, sit in the family stand, that would cost me a grand total of £25 a month. So however many games there are in that month, 25 quid for the three of us to go um, is, in this day and age, absolutely ridiculously cheap so um it costs more than that usually to go to one category a game or whatever you know you want to class it as um just as a, as a single adult um but they've got their head screwed on they're they're doing junior passes so from i think it's two to ten is the age bracket um for free with an adult's pass you can get an, uh, juniors in so it's obviously setting the seeds for many years to come and um, an entire lifetime of disappointment <laughs> um, as we all well know from our various uh, endeavours but yeah um, absolutely great move really pleased that they've done it and uh, who knows maybe I might have a bit more insight on the ground at the uh, MKM Stadium next season should that come to pass it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a stance that I think Every club should take to go to. I've said it before. The majority of my in in person football experience has been watching Hartlepool United um, with my dad, um, and for I'd say at least half of the years up until when I was like sixteen, um, it was always a case of with every adult season ticket you got a free child season ticket at Bulls. So. Um, Whilst you could argue, ooh, they're losing out on money there, pools never sell out. Borough never sell out unless it's a massive game. It's a it's a it's a seat that's going to just go unused at the Riverside. So why not encourage you know if you're a team ticket holder and you've got children, why not make the inquiry there? Is it is it possible to get a child's ticket? Even if it's not for free, 
fifty quid or something like that, and then you know you're guaranteed to get the next sort of generation of, uh, of supporters in, and then they're the ones that in, you know fifteen years time they're the ones who are going to be paying thirty pounds a ticket, buying a season ticket, going buying shirts from the club shop, buying scarves, buying the, other memorabilia and stuff like that. The cynical side of it as well is if you've got them in the door, you're going to perhaps buy them a drink or you're going to buy them something to eat, you know, or they, they want a shirt that, you know, <clears throat> every time we mention it, it's heart, adju- heart attack inducing how much a football shirt costs these days. Um, you know, so it's bringing money into the club in, in a alternative route. It's kind mm-hmm. of, yeah, you're not, you're not paying the money up front for the ticket, but, you know, you think, oh, well, my ticket's free so they can have a bottle of pop or, you know, the, the ticket's free so they can have some chips or something like, you know, something like that in the ground that goes into the coffers in, an inverted, in a roundabout way. <clears throat> you look at it and you think, this kid's played theme park when he was younger. It's not rocket science, is it? Like, it, 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 it's exactly that. It's exactly what Matt's just said. Like, you can't, you can't sum it up any better than that. Absolutely. So when you're uh, when you're at Hull next season, uh, ladies and gentlemen, just remember if those uh, if those chips taste a little extra salty, that's uh, Mr. Woodmancy's uh, theme theme park playing coming in, and uh, you know he's he's put extra salt on his chips, he's put extra ice in his drinks, just so that the, uh, the people are having to buy additional stuff at the stadium. I believe, Mr. Wobberty, you have something to uh, to finish off that you wanted to bring to the table. Indeed. So, obviously, we've come to the end of the season now. A um, little bit of a precursor to, to next week's uh, roundup. However, something caught my eye um, on the old internet today, and it was to do with betting, as we've, we've mentioned a little bit of betting earlier on. Um, and it has come to light that one punter bet on Man City to win the Premier League Burnley to win the championship, Plymouth to win League One, Leighton Orient to win League Two, which at the time, like Plymouth and Leighton Orient were like, one of them was around a 16 to 1 shout, so that was like audacious, really. Mm-hmm. Um, they put £20 on that bet, and it returned when placed £98,308. Of fifty-seven pence. However, the person who placed the bet cashed out. Oh no! In April, still for a very tidy profit, so they cashed out for twenty-seven thousand four hundred and twenty-three pounds twenty-two. So as much happiness as that would have brought in April, by the end of the season. They are seventy grand short of what they could have had. That's like it, it, that is an it's, it's an incredible shout to put that bet on to begin with. I think most people would have probably have said Man City. There'd have been quite a few people saying Burnley. I don't think those two were really uh, sort of out of left field. But the, the, well, the picking the lower league winners was was where the money was at. I think. Well, that, those two leagues are absolutely batshit as well. Kind of continuing a theme on from like previous. You could you could have a club that's gone up there. You know, for example, next season, Wrexham. Everybody will put money on Wrexham to win that league next year because they'll probably spend a bit of money and go, all oh, right, they're good to go, kind of thing. And they won't because somebody who spent 
50 pence on a decrepit striker <laughs> who's got one foot, all of a sudden scores 30 goals in a season. You're like, what the fuck is going on? How is that club now top of the league? And, and, and that's the thing, is that those League One and League Two are mental. So I'm, I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure as well that the titles in League One and Two were decided on the final day. Yes. So yeah, that, yeah. that was like oh, no, down no. to the wire. Leighton Orient had wrapped theirs up a, a few weeks before, I think. It kind of it kind of kicked the arse off my Man City, Middlesbrough, Sheffield Wednesday and Bradford predictions. Although I will say, my uh, Championship League 1 and League 2 side did make the playoffs. So I'll take it as somewhat of a win. So two of them, two of them are still in with a chance of going up. Haven't they? All right, so Brad, right, Bradford right. and Sheffield let's, Wednesday. Let's, let's, let's not rub it. Uh, no, it's just Sheffield, uh, just Sheffield Wednesday, who had one of the most outrageous comebacks in in football history, being four 0 down from the first leg, um, scored a ninety eighth minute equaliser to uh, take it to extra time, and then. Uh, Went a goal down in extra time, and then equalised in the second half of extra time, and eventually went on penalties. Um, before that, the previous best uh, was the uh, that had been overturned from the first leg with a two-goal deficit. So they, but they more than doubled it. Uh, well, no, they didn't more than double it. They doubled it. So the best, yes, the best part about that as well is not only was it a struggle, but um, after they lost the first uh, leg four nil. The, the manager Darren Moore suffered some horrendous racist abuse online. Obviously, not the best bit. The best bit is the fact that they found out who did it. They've got a, they've got banned for life. They're in trouble with the police. So whilst uh, that particular cretin is sat at home, not ever being able to go to football again, the team are going to Wembley because actually the guy that he abused online managed to get his uh, ducks in a row and absolutely get it right on the night. So. <laughs> So there you are, ladies and gentlemen. Racists never prosper. So, that's it this week. Done and dusted. Join us again next week where we'll uh, break down the Crystal Palace, Nottingham Forest. Probably nil-nil now. Now we've been <laughs> yeah. all those goals. Um, and then uh, we'll, we'll go through our season-long predictions that we made all the way back in uh, July or August and see just how close we got with those predictions. So, Thank you for joining us once again. Thank you to these three lovely gentlemen for joining me in uh, breaking down their teams. And, uh, yeah, join us again next week where we'll do it all over again for one final time this season. But until then, thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for watching, and we'll see you next week. So there we go, what do you think to that? Another week of games gone, and one more game to come. Big thank you for joining us, listening, watching, checking us out. Before you go, consider like, share, subscribe, comment, click for notifications, leave us a review, check out the website, thecookiecast.com. There, there are different ways you can get in touch with us, whether it's social media or just click that email button. Let us know how how did your team do this season. That's it for this one. Until next time, I'm going to say bye, and I'll see you then. Thank you for listening to these grumpy old men talk about football. If you've enjoyed this episode, please like, share and subscribe.